Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You are now listening to the Dual Position Podcast. The boys are back to talk all things Super Coach all season long. Please welcome your hosts, Whisper and Brew. Brewski, four months of analysis, breakdowns, many, many hours spent behind this microphone. All comes down to the next 45, 50 minutes where we're going to give our spiciest, crunchiest, tastiest takes and our predictions for this season. These are going to age like milk left out in the sun. I can see it now. I'll save this podcast. I'll put it in the archives. And I reckon we come back and react to it uh, at the end of the season. How are we, mate? Good, mate. I'm very, very good. Uh, working week is over. I... Um been getting a lot of attention at work because of our podcast, which is nice. I've been getting asked a lot of questions, rate my team, say, can you fix this? What about this fella? So yeah, it's going good. We're definitely at uh, crunch time now. I'm excited to have a bit of a chat today and see how far wrong we are. I think I'm pretty much done with my team. It's just coming down to my halves combinations posted on Instagram. Actually, so am I. Um, yeah. To be honest, I, I'm pretty set on this side, except for one thing. And that's that bloody, the Schneider cut. Um... He's forced Sam Walker out of my side, and I was really, really keen to take both Hine, uh, Sorry, yeah, Nico Hines and Sam Walker. And I love the side that I've built, but it doesn't have Sammy Walker, and I really want to own that kid. So I'm still looking at it going, mm, can I skip this kid, and where do I take from? Because I've, I've got a really solid pack. And just side in general, it's kind of – I've spread the love all over. It's really strong, except maybe – in the centers. Um, I'm guessing we'll do a team reveal next week, so I won't go too into depth, but I think the only tweak would come as a result of Sam Walker. If I do try and get him back in, otherwise I'm pretty bloody happy with the setup. I dropped AFB last night. Now for anyone that's about to message me being asking why, why are we dropping AFB? It's it's because of one certain lock at North Queensland, (laughs) which I think we both can happily agree on has the highest ceiling on his day. So it's the only reason why I've moved AFB out. And then, yeah, the only conundrum that I've got is choosing between some kind of combination of Munster, Walker, Moses, and Dylan Brown. Um, just kind of working out where I want to sit on there. Because I do really want Sam Walker if he goal kicks. But I feel like Mitch, Mitch, Mitch Moses will be that flat track bully that will just carve up for the first 10 weeks with a really weak draw. So I'm going to have to sit down and, and work out what's going to happen. Then, then Teamless Tuesday, I'm sure, will pull it all apart when half of our people aren't named. So on the We agenda- should... Um- we should do a bet, maybe. What's happening? We'll have to work out the terms. We might do a Moses versus Walker bet. Okay. This like, will uh, this will determine. I'm on Sam Walker's side, obviously, as the Roosters fan, which goes means that you're going to have to be on the Moses side. So it might help you make your decision with your team, too. Right. For, force my hand. Um, so the rundown today, we're going to do our top four, our bottom four, uh, our biggest players that we think will average have an average increase, um, our biggest players that we think will have a decrease in average, uh, we've got our team of the season. We've got our biggest cash cow. We've got our Dallium. We've got our premiers. And then we have our biggest breakout star. Now, this isn't a super coach thing. This is just more who we think is going to become a household name. For example, last year, Ruben Garrick. Uh, I know a lot of hardcore NRL friends knew who Ruben Garrick was, but he really entered the mainstream last year. So I guess we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that at the end. We'll kick things off, though, with our top four. I think you and I have three of the same in different orders. And then I've got one smoky. Uh, I'll kick off with mine. In fourth, I have the Parramatta Eels finishing in fourth this season. I think this has to be the year that Parra finally pull their finger out and put it together and make some kind of run late in September. In third, I have the Melbourne Storm. In second, I have the Penrith Panthers. And in first, I have the Sydney Roosters. I've got them doing the double. Uh, I've got them winning the minor premiership, going on to win the actual NRL grand final as well. Interesting. Um haven't the trials changed our perspective a little bit? And you'll see why when I go into the bottom four that we'll discuss in a sec. My my top four hasn't changed all too much. Uh, Parramatta has risen 
in my ranks as well, but I haven't got them in the top four at the moment. I've got uh, the Melbourne Storm coming fourth. I've got Manly finishing third. The Sydney Roosters finishing second. And Penrith finishing first minor premiers and back-to-back premiers. Oh, you're not going to back your boys. not going to back the Bondo boys to take out the trophy? I would very much love to. And they're certainly capable. I just, yeah, I don't know. Penrith, maybe, maybe they get a bit of a hangover after two straight grand finals, one of those being a victory. I just think they're building a really nice club and a core, and they've got a, you know, a nice young roster. They seem to have, you know, really good, enthusiastic group who are committed to the cause. The Roosters have a new, pl- a fair few new players coming into the side. They've lost some experience from the side. I think they'll be very dangerous. I just don't know if they'll be ready for a Penrith side, who they do have a bad record against, I will admit, in the finals. Yeah, it's, it'll be an interesting one. Penrith seem like a club that you really want to, to be at. They seem very connected, very friendly with each other, like in a, in a really big, tight group. Um, so obviously you've got Penrith winning the comp. You've got Penrith winning the minor premiership as well. Who do you have taking out the Dallium? Because last year it was a one-horse race. Do you have Tom Trevojevich going back-to-back when it comes to Dallium? No, I don't. I'm not confident Tom will get through the whole season. So I hope he does. Don't get me wrong. But I'm I'm backing James Tedesco this season. I just think he's going to come out. He did so much for them last year when there was so many people down. I feel like if, if Kiri and Angus and all these guns that they've got on their roster stay healthy and the Roosters really do have a charge. You've got them coming first. I've got them coming second. I have no doubt that he's going to tally up a whole heap of Dalian points if that is the case. And for that reason, he's very consistent. You know, touch wood, he hasn't had many injuries in recent times. Club captain, he's a favourite. Some For some reason, Dalian seems to go to the, to the you know, fan favourite. So therefore, I think Tedesco will end up getting more of the points than, say, a Kiri or a Walker. I'm back in my boy, James Tedesco. I have also gone with a fan favourite. I've also gone with a fan favourite fullback, and I've also gone with a fullback in a very good side. I haven't gone with Tom Trevojevic because that's the boring answer, and I don't like giving those. I've gone with one Ryan Pappenhausen to take out the Dally M this year. This could really be the year for Pap. He stays injury-free all season. We know what he can do, and... Uh, he'll be on the end of a lot of uh, Melbourne attack and, and you could just see him stealing a lot of points from from the rest of his team. And yeah, it just seems like Harry Grant making 45 tackles won't get the recognition in the voters' eyes that Ryan Pappenhausen falling, falling over for two tries, setting up a couple. So these these attacking players generally do get the points we've seen in the last couple of years. I think Tam Lolo was, was the last forward to win the Dallium and that would have been back in 2017, um, if I can remember. Well earned, too. If I can remember my dates right. Yeah, he was a monster that season. So I've got... Pappenhausen, you've got uh, James Tedesco as your Dallium. No, I'm assuming you've got no questions raised over Ryan Pappenhausen, and I've got no questions raised over James Tedesco. They're both very possible shouts. No, I think they're both equally as likely as the other. I just have more faith that Tedesco will get through a season than I do Tom or Ryan Pappenhausen for that matter. If Tom plays 19, 20 games, oh, yeah, let's say let's say 19 games. Does he does he win it? Probably. Yeah, it's just it's just not fair. Just how good he is, is it? Like he's just a, such a. The problem huge. is, like you you look at a Melbourne, you look at the Roosters, right? They they flog a side by fifty, and you know everyone has Walker their hands. Get points yeah. and Kerry get points, and Munster gets points, and Harry Grant has a blinder. It's so different at Manly, you know. They put on fifty points, and you know Cherry will be involved in a quarter of them, and Tom will have his hands in ninety percent of them. Yeah. So, like, I know that doesn't equal up to a hundred, but what I'm saying is Tom will either create it or he'll be on the back of it, on the back of Cherry Evans setting it up. So he just dominates the points for them, and he proved that last year. He didn't play a full season, and he won it by a country mile. So you're a brave man to bet to bet against Tom, but that, like you said, that's that's a really vanilla boring answer and we'd try not to be a boring show so i'm i'm going for the ted unfortunately i'm gonna be pretty boring when i discuss my team of the season there's not too many surprises here and the way that brew and i are going to do this we're going to do it based off averages not points and let's say you've, you've got to play 10 games to qualify um because i know for example someone like a matt fiege last year played one game scored 90 points and he had a season average of about 90 so 10 games and we'll go off averages 
At hooker, mate, I have Harry Grant. Um, I think he's the consensus number one hooker. I've said that all preseason. Just money. I don't. I probably can't get him into my classic side just with money, but I still think he'll be the, the hooker one. He'll be playing big minutes, you expect, with Cheese at 13. And I'm not really sure who's going to rival him at, at hooker when it comes to total average. I do have Harry Grant uh, winning the hooker. He is the obvious choice, I suppose. He's got the most attacking prowess about him. Plays for a very good club, therefore... He could get attacking opportunities more so than a lot of the other clubs. But I have Marnie only just behind him, to be honest. I think Grant will will be the highest averaging hooker, but I think it'll only be by three or four points to Marnie. If Grant averages 75, I can see Marnie averaging 70 plus this season if he um, stays fit and healthy. So I think it's closer than what you think. I've got Grant narrowly, narrowly, sorry, in front of Marnie. So last season, Harry Grant was the hooker of the year. So we're both predicting him to go back to back 13 games played. So he yep. would qualify in our... Uh, sort of thing we're doing and he averaged 73.5 the next best was Brandon Smith with 68.0 playing 22 games and then your boy Reed Marnie with 67.8 so Harry Grant was still the best hooker by five and a half points last year um, which is a clear clear margin uh, at front row forward last year the high scoring average was Isaiah Papali'i with a 78.5 he was 10 and a half points clear of the next man Payne Haas who is my selection this year to take out front row of the year probably no surprises there uh, it's a very safe pick but Look, Payne Haas averaging 68.0 in a year where he was sort of up and down to start the season. We remember the first half of the year where he wasn't performing to his best. Then Matt Lodge left. And then Tavita Pangai also left. And then the floodgates just opened for Payne Haas. You look at him mid-season onwards, he was he was just a phenomenal freak uh, once he got that team to himself. I know there's some more middles there now. Tom Flegler's gotten a little bit older, a little bit wiser. Pat Carrigan coming back into the side. Ryan James is there. Keenan Palacia. But you still feel like at such a young age, this is Payne Haas' side for a very, very long time. Yeah, I think he's, you know, he's the nuts and bolts of that side. And I think they, he showed that at the end of last season. I don't expect him to get the minutes that he was, you know, midway or half, whenever it was early last season, when he was getting ridiculously low minutes. I don't think that's going to happen anymore. I expect him to be 65 to 70 minute guy. I've got him coming first as well. I think he'll average somewhere between the 70 and 72 range. In second and third for this, I would probably have Fanul Blake um, to really step it up this season and become a forward pack leader for the Warriors to be in the top three of front row forwards. And I'll also have Papali'i uh, also going back in that top three. Uh, that's a Maybe that's a hot take because we don't know if he'll own that edge. We don't know if he'll play 80 minutes. We don't know if he'll end up reverting to the bench or prop. But I'm backing him to keep the edge. It's his best position. He dominated there last season. They were a better side when he was playing there. So I'm backing him to go back into similar regions to last season, but maybe not average the ridiculously high 78, 79 that he did last season. If we're taking out Isaiah Papali'i from the second uh, second row forward runnings last year because he won the front row forward, the next best under David Fafita was Angus Crichton with 74.5 and David Fafita dwarfs him with an 85.0. So what's that? 10 and a half points as well. I don't see a world where anyone overthrows David Fafita for the next four or five years when it comes to the best super coach back rower. He's, his game is just so friendly. Had the most tackle busts per game uh, compared to anyone last year, and that includes Turbo. Uh, if you take it, if you take in every game last year, finals, semifinals, whatever, David Fafita had the most tackle breaks per game. Uh, so it's just, his game is super friendly. He's got the huge attacking upside. He's got a very, very young spine who you'd think Holbrook are just going to say, you know what, let's just give it to Fafita as much as possible. I don't see a world where Angus can make up 10 points. I don't see a world where Cameron Murray can make up 15 points. Tahu Harris is out. Brandon Smith is uncertainty with his 13. Then, then you're talking about the likes of Josh Curran, Luke Thompson, and Tyson Frizzell. And, and no disrespect to those guys, but they're not on Fafita's level. I'm not too sure who overthrows Fafita anytime soon, and, and that's why he's my 2RF next year, uh, the best 2RF, highest average. I believe we're going to have a pretty consensus team of <laughs> top picks here because I too have gone for Fafita, and I think everything you said, bar maybe one thing, is pretty accurate there. I think he is going to be the top choice in that position, and he's going to be that person for you know, the indefinite future. I think the gap will close this season. You mentioned Angus. I think Angus pissed out an average last year of 75 without doing a great deal. I think there is growth in Angus. He's just re-signed with the Roosters. Uh, I think it's for three or four seasons, which is fantastic for the Chooks. 
for me, he's easily the second best in this position. I think he can close the gap because I don't think David Fafita is going to score quite as many tries as he did last season. And I definitely see Angus getting an increase on the number that he scored last season. Therefore, if it was a 10-point gap last year, I can see it being a five-point gap at the close of this season. But Fafita is still the clear winner. Yeah, Angus actually went over for a decent clip last year. I think he scored nine tries in 18 games for a back row. One in every two isn't, isn't bad. So he would have to... He would have to maintain that, and then you'd have to think Fafita would have to drop off um, for the gap to be closed. But I still think it's a gap too far to overcome. Ten, ten points is, is quite a fair bit. When you're already pushing... Absolutely. If, if we were talking guys that were, were averaging 50, 10 points doesn't seem like so much. But when you're pushing that 80 region, 10 points is a lot to overcome. So, like, it's just... Angus, he's probably got two years left of his, I would say, peak, peak footy to him for being at the, at the absolute top. And then you'd think it sort of start, starts to, to slowly gradually down as he enters sort of 30, uh, 30 years of age region. Whereas Fafita, we know he's so young. He's like, he's just hitting his straps and he's, he's just a monster. Uh, mate, dollar one favorite here to pick the uh, the best halfback. No no secrets about it. He was the best halfback by nearly 30, country mile. Nearly 30 points. And that was off the back of, like, second was DCE with his best score ever. Third was, it wasn't even Nico Hines because he wasn't halfback eligible last year. It was Luke Keary with an inflated average of 75.3 in a very short sample size. Cleary was count. Cleary was the best halfback by far. Do I see Cleary averaging 108.3 next year? No. Do I see Cherry Evans averaging 79.3? No. Like, the, everyone's going to regress, and the gap that Cleary has on the rest of the field is just so, so large. Uh, everything that I said about Fafita, you can basically copy and paste it for the exact same thing on Cleary. Like the, the competition that he is in when it comes to Supercoach standings is just by far and away inferior. And yeah, no no genius is going to, no genius, uh, no prizes for, for picking Nathan Cleary here to be my halfback uh, of the year again. No, I, he's not going to average 108. But question for you, what do you think he's going to average this year? Because this might be an interesting discussion. Oh, you... Get out of my head. I was going to say about 85. Um, I just think in general, you got to stop doing this to me, bro. I was, I was going to put you on the spot. Um, yeah. I don't think there's going to be as many points this season as there was last season. I, I think they will endeavor to slow the game down a little bit. I think it, it split the league into two, if not three segments last season of the good, the bad, and the really ugly. And I don't think it's a good look for the game especially when they're wanting to expand the game. So I think it'll slow down a little bit. And in the process of slowing it down, points obviously and averages will drop. So I've got, yeah, Cleary in about 86. Uh, second one, and, um, you know, I'll give this a PG version because you don't like the rude version. But if we're talking hot steaks and beefcakes, Nico Hines, I've got coming second. What, I know with, a lot of people With, with think, what, oh, 65? Uh, about 72, 73, Ooh. I think you'll average. So obviously you see quite a big drop off at ECO. Yeah, I, I think, I, I don't see him. Manly was scoring 50 plus so often last season. I think they set a record for the club for 50 plus performances. I just don't think it's realistic that they will do that again. Therefore, if they're not, if like they could win more games than they won last year, but if they're only winning 30 points to 10, and not winning, you know, 60 points to six, naturally his average is going to drop. So I don't see him being able to push the same regions. Uh, Nico appears to be kicking, which gives him a slight advantage if he doesn't need to be scoring 50 points because he can bump his average up by 12 to 16 points simply by the Sharks scoring points of him and him goal kicking, obviously. So I've got Hines in second this year, jumping DCE, which might be a bit of a hot take. Spicy. Hey, this... 5'8", where is where we might differ. Last year, Cody Walker was was by far and away the best 5'8". 83.8 points a game. Secondly, was Adam Dewey with 77.0. Third was Luke Keery with that inflated 75.3. Fourth was Cameron Munster with 74.1. And fifth was Matt Burton with 65.7. But I don't think Matt Burton was available. Oh, no, he was. He was available at halfback 5'8". Um, so there's quite a big drop-off when you, you sort of go out of that top four. Who do you have as your 5'8 this season uh, and and why? Uh, I've got Cameron Munster. I just feel like... There goes our differential. Know, so, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Cody, he had one of those real... Like, what do you call it? Everything, went, everything, went, everything, went, well, everything went well for Cody last year. 
Um, he was. Yeah, and I just, I just looked Adam at Reynolds. It and, and I saw. I, yeah. I, 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 I took a step back. Um, Latrell came into his own as well. So when you have a fullback that's improving, you have a halfback that's taking a step back when it comes to touches and, and attacking flair. The six and one are going to link up well. Latrell had a phenomenal season with a lot of tries and try assists, and therefore Cody's going to have a fantastic involvement with try contributions, try assists, and whatever. Like he had so many try assists and. I think it's the same point that we make on Cleary, mate. Like, the game last year was so quick, and Turbo as well. Like, the game was so quick that these guys could just dominate. They get a bit of momentum, and they just roll forward. And Cody just picked teams apart, didn't he? Yeah, and he had an outlier of a, of a season, you know. That was his year. I, I can't see him doing it again for a few reasons. I think they're underestimating the loss of Adam Reynolds. I was reading something on Twitter today which said that I think with Reynolds, they'd made four or five preliminary finals in the last say eight years they'd made uh two grand finals i think it was they had one poor season and they obviously won a premiership in there if you take that guy out of the out of the team and suddenly someone else is having to put them in the position consistently put them in the position and with their kicking game and just their general structure so that cody gets the opportunity to attack close to the goal line I think naturally he's going to decrease. I think he's probably going to end up with an average of about somewhere in the 68 to 72 range. Whereas Munster, I see lifting his game. Even if the points decrease, as I mentioned, I think he might have a higher involvement. Therefore, I can see him maintaining last year's average or even adding a point or two onto it, which would put him in the 75, 76 range. And that's that's why I've got him in, in the P1 slot. I do have Cody in second, but Munster for me will be the guy. Yeah, I've got Munster in one too. Um, I don't see a huge uptick in Munster, but I see a big downtick in the other guys. And I think Munster will hold his own with maybe a one or two point increase, as you said, uh, and and just keep on keeping on what Cameron Munster does. The scary thing is, though, Cody Walker looked electric in the charity shield. Like, he looked like he just wanted his hands in the ball as much times as possible, which could be very scary for non-owners when that Rabbitohs drawer opens up. Um, if Cody isn't picked for origin, if, if Freddie Fittler goes down the Lloyd Keary route or if he goes back down the Jerome Lewis and Cleary route, Cody Walker's 100% going to be my side of origin because, again, some of these depleted sides, and if his side's got no one, Cody could be touching the ball record amounts of times and and racking up a huge amount of points. But long-term, I do have Cameron Munster as mine. We have the exact same uh, start. So we've, yep. al- we've also... So basically, we've picked the leaders from last year apart from front row forward and 5'8". Cody Walker was the 5'8". Last year, we've gone with Cameron Munster and Isaiah Papali'i was the front row forward and we've gone with Payne Haas. Center wing will be interesting. Uh, last year, we had two monster outliers in Ruben Garrick, averaging 87.5. Mate, we were talking in the pod podcast yesterday about when Jared Croak was averaging 60, and we thought that was sent from the heavens. And and Ruben Garrick with an 87.5, and a Brian Toto with an 84.0. I mean, even guys like, for example, Jesse Raymond with a 63, or Jordan Rapiner were averaging like 60-odd. So I think center wing this year will be very, very interesting. Who do you have as your... Uh, number one spot. Just before that, we're talking about averages that are, yeah. You know, Corey Parker's the god, and then it was Gallon, and before that it was Highmarsh, etc. The Le- Frankie, uh, Robbie Farah, Sam Burgess. There's some, there's some good names Their there. Numbers are minuscule higher averages than than those guys got as forwards. So last year was just phenomenal. Look, uh, it's a little bit vanilla here, but I've got Toto still maintaining the one purely because of his base. We have the exact same thing of the year. <laughs> second. I'm going to give you four here because I felt like there's four starting positions in Supercoach, so I may as well. So I've got Toto in one, Garrick in two. I've got Paul Momorowski in number three, and that one is with an asterisk. Oh, yeah, he's gonna, that he's he holds gonna, his spot for the season. He's going to average 140. Because he is under pressure from... He's going to average yeah, 140 Billy Smith knocking on the door. After your after your predictions this year, this preseason, Palmer obviously is going to average 145, just in pure base by the 70. sounds of it. Uh, and here is a really spicy one, and a few people might like this, actually. i got Jack Bird, being that he is CTW eligible yeah. in the fourth slot. I just think that his base and his attacking upside that he's got with a pretty good-looking edge for... Um, for the dragons, I think he might sneak into the top top five for centers this year. So I've I've taken a smoky there and added Bird into the mix as my number four. Uh, Bird was very very close to making my short list of biggest average upcreases, which we'll talk on soon. He averaged fifty nine, a uh, fifty six point nine. Let's say he averages seventy. That is a thirteen point one uptick. That just misses my short list um, for like the the list I've got for guys that average that, with the biggest average up, upcrease this year. 
But Jack Bird is a huge, huge shout, mate. Obviously, you, I'm assuming you're very excited to see what he can do this year. Yeah, like he's not in my side and it's just purely awkward price-based. I'm either trying to go for guys, well, I'm not really taking expensive centres for one, but in the second row, I'm more staple and then cash than I am mid-ranger. So he's missed out, but I'll tell you what, I've got a firm eye on him. He's definitely on my watch list. If he starts knocking on the door and saying, I have to be in your side, then I'll get him in my centres as quickly as I physically can. In the Aitken versus Bird debate, um, con- I don't know if it's controversial. Or not. I've gone Bird. If I had to pick one of the two between Aitken and Bird, I've, I've taken Bird over Aitken. Um, where are you sitting in that camp? Yeah, well, we are turncoat and flip-flop. We got some <laughs> people loved that, apparently. Um I'm on Bird's side. Now, I I was 100% Aiken to start the season. All the numbers pointed to the fact that it was him. I just, I don't know if I have the confidence that he'll hold that edge spot for the entire season. I feel like once Harris comes back, there could be a real rejig. I think Katoa's in for a massive season and he's going to yeah, know, it's, it's start gonna... knocking the door down to the point where he says, you can't drop me. It's going to be and a if, shootout. If it, somebody gets dropped, I feel like it'll end up being Aitken because of his versatility. So I think that almost goes against him. Bird, I don't really see Bird ending up in the centres this season, but barring serious, serious injury, I think they want him to be a forward. He's trained there all last season. Well, some of last season, sorry, all of this preseason. They've spoken about him being so mobile in the forwards. You know, he's he's a little bit, Bradley, Connor Watson type with the size that, and, and Kurt Mann even is another example. He's that kind of body shape now and he's creative and, and teams like to have that type of forward. So I think Bird will stay away from the centers this year and stay in the forwards. Yeah. Uh, I think I, with, with that Warriors situation on Aiken, it's going to be a shootout uh, between Katoa and Aiken. Whoever doesn't fire for the first eight weeks, I think will will get the, the drop. And the way I think the way I think it's going to work is if Katoa is the one that that misses out, he goes to the bench. If Aiken's the one that misses out, he goes to the centres. And someone like a Jesse Arthur's probably drops out because I think Aiken will be in the best thirteen. It's just a case of whether he'll be in the back row, um, partnering Josh Curran with Tohu back in the middle, um, or it's Katoa with with Aiken uh, on the edge. Mate, I have Brian Toe as my centre of the wing, centre wing of the year as well. Um, you'll see why I don't have. Uh, as high hopes for Ruben Garrick as what you do. And we'll touch on that over the next 20 minutes or so. But yeah, Brian Toe, he's going to have a, a decrease in just pure numbers. We expect that. But for what he can provide, he was still putting up 55, 60 points without a try week in, week out. And then you add the flair that that Penrith left edge is going to have. He, he's still going to fall over for, what, 15 tries minimum, you'd, you'd think. So definitely going to be there, thereabouts for him to have the attacking stats to, to bump him up to. I see him falling from, what did he average last year, 83. I've probably got him around the pegged around that 72 to 73 range. Um, so a 10-point drop-off, which is significant, but I feel like the, the ones around him will drop off even further. Mate, fullback. I think this one probably picks themselves. I know that there's many, many good fullbacks in here, and we expect a decrease for Tom Travojevic's numbers, but just being 50 points clear of the next best, it's a huge, huge jump for the other boys to make. I don't see anyone toppling Tom Travojevic, even though he will have a, a down year compared to what we saw last year. Yeah, all things being well, and all of these guys playing full seasons or close to, Turbo will be the number one. He, he probably will still, even if there is a reduction in overall scoring and averages season, I th- still think he's probably going to be 15 clear of the next best or thereabouts, 10 to 15 points. So I don't think it'll be 40 this season. Uh, Turbo is my clear number one. I think he'll probably average about 110 to 115, or maybe even 120, but I, I have, don't see him averaging 140 just be- plus. Before you continue, I have fullback one and fullback two separated by six points. I have fullback one, Tom Travojevic, averaging 113, and we'll touch on fullback two. I, mean, I think you guys know who I'm talking about when I uh, gave medallion predictions. Um, but yeah, I've got those two. Right, before you state that then let's go into this and this is a little bit off the cuff and i apologize who are your top five fullbacks this season in order of averages turbo pap latrell teddy Ooh. Uh, yep gutho okay not bad not bad i would have tedesco in third i would have preferred Latrell not to come back a week early because that's another tough game that sits out of his schedule. So if he came back in round three, that's two games that he doesn't have to play. 
and we have a small smaller sample size. But I just think with like we've touched on this a million times, mate. And we've said it millions of times. Go look at South Straw from like round six to round twenty two. I feel like t- like Terrell with the goal kicking could just go bonkers. I um, I'm not going to put Gutho in fifth. I was on the spot there. Hang on, let me while you list yours out, I'll actually sift through the fullbacks and I'll see if I can come up with a better five. Well, it's almost the same basically. So I'm thinking Turbo's clear one. Pappenhausen's not too far behind in second. Narrowly behind him will be Tedesco. Latrell will be narrowly behind Teddy. And then you'll say Hines. And then I actually think there is a world where Reese Walsh can push into fifth this year. I think there's a there's a chance that he kicks goals at some point in time, which is obviously an average boost that Gutho doesn't have. And just in general, I think he'll grow as a player. I think having a team with Sean Johnson will be good for him because you'll have a halfback that he can really link with. And we know he can, in broken play, he, he's electric. And I just think Gutho won't need to be as involved for Parramatta having a more star-studded lineup than the Warriors will. The Warriors have quite a friendly draw. And it's not just a, I know they have that opening six weeks, but season long, their draw's not terrible. So I think Walsh could be a big breakout in some way this season and push possibly into that top five conversation. But it would be him or Gutho in fifth. But I've got, I think I've got another fifth. There is a conversation there now. I've got another fifth. Smokey, Smokey, Will Kennedy. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Average sixty four point um, average sixty four point eight last year. Gutho averaged seventy four point seven. So if Will Kennedy can have a four point increase and Gutho has a four point downgrade downgrade or whatever, um, there could be a conversation there. But I I definitely think Kennedy and Walsh are probably the Smokies. I just it's hard for me to, to go against Gutho because he's put up the numbers for two or three years now. So like that has to be respected. It's quite nice actually that we're here. I know that there's there's a couple of guys that are clear cut ahead of the rest, but we could nearly rattle off ten guys that are, are serious good fullback options who score good points. When you factor in Jalen Campbell, you know, he's only young, but he's a kid that could really rise into conversation over the coming years. You mentioned Will Kennedy. I don't personally think he'll take that step to the next level, but Hines, he's got Hines it is also him available. And, and the sharks are growing. Hines Hines available at fullback as well. So he's he's got to be there or thereabouts. As much as I'm shitting on him I'm, because I feel he's overpriced, I still think he's gonna average 70, 72 long term in the season. So he's got to be there in the conversation as well. I'm considering this more from an NRL perspective where Okay. Pure, He's going to play number, six or seven, ones. so I'm considering him a half. So yeah, I'm considering guys that actually play fullback for their side. Yeah, it's interesting. There's quite a list of names there. We haven't even really discussed Caelan Ponga, who we know is more than capable of getting a 70 or 80 average if he pulls his finger out of his ass. So Ponga, it's going to be a good Matt, season for fullbacks. Matt Dufty at the, at the Bulldogs, if they click, then he he honestly yeah. could could be anything. Uh, you've also got Tyrell Sloan, like he's. Uh, the, the taste of oh, yeah, there's, there's another guy. We get, like... we get a full season of, of Jaden Campbell. Uh, we get obviously Tessie New average nearly 60 points last year. Yeah. So like there's there's plenty of young, like it's not a bad time to be a young fullback in the NRL though, is it? It's a changing of the guard, but like it's a serious change now that your Billies and your Inglises and that have, have moved on and retired. This young crop of, ta- of fullbacks coming through are, are immensely talented and exciting to watch. So yeah, I'm glad we had that chat because there's just so many guys on the rise and I love it. To sum up that 20-minute chat, Bruin and I have the exact same team this season, which I haven't seen any of Bruce, yeah. I haven't seen any Bruce predictions before. I, we, we try not to look at each other so we can have something to talk about. Um, but yeah, no prize, no prizes for guessing. We've got Harry Grant as the hooker number one, Payne Haas as, as prop number one, David Fafita as second row number one, Nathan Cleary as halfback number one, Munster as 5'8 number two, Brian Toto as centre wing number one, and Tom Trevojevic as fullback number one. I think I just said Munster 5 at number two. I meant Munster 5 at number one. Mate, I have a list of 16, 17 names broken into two categories of 
the guys that I think will have be the biggest rises and the biggest falls, and I know you've got one for each category, um, but I reckon if I bring if I bring eight from each category to the table, we've got a bit to talk about, and I'll list them in order of guys that I feel from lowest to highest. Do we want to go uh, increases or decreases first? Let's go increases. All right, so increases, and guys for listening, I'm probably going to miss some players. The way I did this was I just looked at last year's averages and sort of saw that I think was underpriced. So I've, a couple are going to slip through the cracks, obviously. So if you guys have any other ones that you uh, think will average big increases and you think they'll average more than the guys I've lifted here, but feel, feel free to let me know at, at my socials. So in last place, it's eighth on my on my list, I've got uh, Kurt Mann. Now, Kurt Mann last year averaged 43.7. I've got him pegged around 57 points this year, mate, which is a 13.3 point increase uh, year on year. Pretty fair to say Kurt Mann's going to ha- have an increase. Do you think 57 is about the mark that he'll sit at? I'm, I'm hoping he plays similar minutes to Connor Watson, that sort of 56, 57 minutes a game with about a 1 ppm. Yeah, I, I probably would have thought about 55, so that's not too far off. The next man on the list, I've got Rocco Berry. Now, last year, Rocco averaged 36.8. This year, I've got him pegged around 51 points a game, which is a 14.2 increase. Say that again, sorry. What do you have him averaging? 51. Yeah, I think that's fair. He could go over that, but yeah, that, that's a fair number. The next man, I have a 20-point increase. It is Chris Randall. I've got him going from 35.0 points a game last year to 55 this year, which, as I said, is a 20-point increase for Chris Randall. I can see him averaging 45, to be honest, but we'll, we'll see. Ooh, just are you worried about minutes? Not production, obviously, just minutes. I just think he's not going to make 50 tackles every game, and I don't think he's very creative. Therefore, I think over time, he'll... He'll balance just, out. I don't think he'll be as good of a cheapie as what we think he will be. The next man ranked slightly above uh, Randall is Joseph Sawali. Last year, averaged 37.0 points a game. This year, I've got him pegged around 58 if he plays in the right wing. Brett Morris, um, Blake Ferguson, Matty Cavalu, all these guys pushed up around 60, 70 points a game. I don't have Sawali pegged quite that high yet. That's why I've got him pegged at about 58. Uh, but that's still a 21-point increase for Joseph Swally. I've got this guy on my list elsewhere, so I'll come back to Swally later. Sounds good. Uh, with a 20, 26.5 increase, I've got Raymond Fitalamarina. 31.5 points a game last year. I think he slipped under the radar a little bit with, with how injury-affected it was for him last year. So 31.5. I've got him pegged around 58 points a game when he's back fully fit, which is, as I said, a 26.5-point increase for RFM. It all depends on whether he's bench in the side at all or starting on the edge. If he's starting on the edge, 100%. I Mate, agree. if they're playing Jack Hetherington on the edge, I, th- I think there's a there's a spot for him to come right back into when he's fully fit. And when, he, when one of the edges is suspended, for sure. Yeah. Uh, mate, with a 27.8 increase in second spot, I've got Ryan Pappenhausen averaging 79.2 points last year. Oh, I'm going to cop it for this. I've got to be averaging 107 points this season. Fully fit and goal kicking. I can get behind that. Right. Obviously, I already said that I think he will step it up and, and close the gap to turbo. So if he's going to do that, he's going to have to average 100 plus. So nothing wrong with 107 as a prediction. And the highest increase in player averages this year, a whopping 37-point increase I have him pegged for, is Brad Snyder. Six points a game last year. Granted, it was a one game. I have him pegged to be at around that 43 mark. We're probably cheating the system here a little bit, only using one game sample size. But Brad Snyder with a 37-point increase at around 43 points a game, mate. Yeah, you are cheating the system there. That should not count. (laughs) That's a big bump arm. Uh, um, I only went the white, he, he pl- and he's not actually he, he on play, your list. He played last year, so I'm, I'm counting it. Um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm probably, I'm probably a couple of these guys slipped through the cracks. Who, Who is the, the biggest standout for you? Well, I do like your list, and I feel like I'm I'm not really prepared now. If you say, I had, if you um, say Paul Momorowski, I'm just going to end the end the call. <laughs> he will get an average increase this year, I promise you that. No, I've got Ellie Katoa, actually. Um I had him going up by about 20, if not 25 points in average this year. I think if he nails down 80 minutes on that edge next to SJ, he'll score plenty of tries. This He's got is, a pretty good work ethic. So if he gets the minutes... This will test my super coach knowledge. I think off the top of my head, he maybe averaged 34 last year, 33.8, 34. 
I think it was about, yeah, somewhere around the 35 mark. And I've got him averaging about 60 this season. So like 58 to 60 is where I think he will average. So he's the guy that I chose. I feel like, you know, cows don't count in terms of averages. So if you, if you haven't really played a lot, I don't really factor it in. I didn't actually think about Pappy, to be honest. I kind of didn't look at the fullbacks for this question. I was looking more front row to centers because that's more uh, like harder to get an average increase. Fullback's a bit of a different beast. So that's why I went Ellie. But you mentioned a few names that are quite good on that list. RFM, mate. He's the one that took my mind. And he's someone I'm really eyeing off because we know that Bulldogs draw opens up sort of round 10-ish. And if RFM comes back round three, round four, plods along for six weeks, mate, he could be a prospect come round 10 to pick up. Sounds good to me. Sounds good. I'll need a downgrade. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to add Eli Katoa to this list. I'm making a post on this tonight, so Eli Katoa can shift in there. My biggest concern with Eli Katoa is if he does drop out of the side and goes back to the bench, then that long-term season average will, will plummet. So he's going to have to hold Absolutely. a spot. Um, but if he holds a spot, I think that's a huge shout. All right. I think this is the one that's going to ruffle some feathers uh, when it comes to the biggest downgrades on, on, on averages last year. In the lowest, how many do I have here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I've got nine people here to, to talk about. And in ninth spot, I've got Isaiah Papali'i. Now, la- last year, IPAP averaged 78.5. This year, I have him pegged for 65 points a game, which is a 13.5 point downgrade. 65 points a game for IPAP? Yeah, look, when you have an outlier season like Papa Lee did and you leave him the club and there's a chance that you can go to the bench. I, I don't think that is really a hot take at all. I think that's fair. You're still giving him a pretty good season average. Hey, I've got the captain of the worst ever Queensland team in history, quote unquote, Daly Cherry Evans, <laughs> next with a 15.2 point downgrade. I've got him going from 72, 79.2 points a game down to 64 points a game this season. 64 again is still a good number and if like, we don't have a crystal ball. We could, could be completely wrong. I don't know if you agree with me or not, but I just genuinely think that this, the averages are going to yeah. all reduce this season so to what I. they were last season. Look, if you, geez, if, if Sam Walker averaged 65 at the end of this season, I think I'd be pretty happy, to be honest with you. Like, obviously, I hope the average is 80, but 65 is still a good number. And that's, um, that's something I wanted to talk about quickly, just going off topic. I'm seeing a lot of teams posted, and a lot of the biggest criticisms on their team is, oh, there's not enough guns. Is it worth it when we think these guys are going to regress? Wouldn't we rather pick up these sort of mid-rangers who could improve and then buy the guns once their sort of outlier seasons bottom out, if that makes sense? Everyone has a different strategy. Typically, forwards have always been slow starters and they always drop off a little bit and then then you'll find by rounds four to five, suddenly they start getting that uptake, their base and their minutes start to solidify and they start to go on the rise again. But generally, you don't really have the cash to jump on them at that stage. Your cows haven't really peaked to the point where you can do the moves. So you've wasted trades not starting with them. So I normally lately just pick the forwards I want. And if they fluctuate in price a little bit, then so be it. In terms, you still need to make cash and you still need to have some type of pods, plural, I suppose, in your side. And the mid-rangers are quite often the best way to do that. cows cows is roulette you are hoping that they go well you're hoping that they become borderline keepers but we don't know mids at least you have some type of you've seen them in play you've seen their ppm you've seen what they can do whether they're damaging ball runners or whether they're avid try scorers so if they get promoted to starting sides or they change clubs and are giving new opportunities that's where you can really make money and that's where you can get guys that you can hold till a first buy or hold till a second buy potentially, or even keep for the season. Yeah. Otherwise you cash them out. I think that's you like, upgrade the, them. that was a criticism people had on buying Tamalolo. They were like, Oh, what if Tamalolo stinks? We've seen Tamalolo stink. He's not going to go down in that's price. That's the thing. Like, like, like we've seen him stink. Like this is the lowest hill he'll get. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. it, it'll, he'll come good. Um, mate. So we touched on uh, Isaiah Papali'i, Daly Cherry Evans. Next on the list, I've got your favorite player of all time, Dane Gagai. I've got him going from a 68.4 average down to a 52. Now, I don't know if that's spicy to say Dan Gagai averaging 52, but this, that night side, if he's on the weak edge, yeah. I mean, it's a 16.4 point downgrade on in my mind. You want spicy. I'm going to really anger some how, people. How, how low do you have Gagai? So, I've only picked one per position. Josh has done the work here, not me. I, 
I have Gagai dropping 20 to 23 points this season and averaging only in the high 40s. Jeez. He's no longer That's getting odd. gold gold bars thrown to him on the most electric edge in the competition. He no longer has Cody Walker and Latrell Mitchell giving him, you know, two on ones where he can catch and pass and get a try assist or he can fall over the try line. He's actually going to have to do the work. And Ponga loves a cutout ball. He doesn't really like going to the center. So if Ponga goes onto the left side, you're looking at a cutout to the winger, which is going to cut him out altogether half the time. And just in general, I don't think Newcastle is going to be a side that averages, you know, South probably averaged 30 points a game last season. I don't have that information in front of me, but I reckon the Knights are going to be a side that averages 14 to 16 points a game this year. It depends where he plays. It depends where he plays too. Like if he he goes from that left to the right, that's also another negative. Look, I know that's a real hot take, but, you know, I'm not here to, you know, be boring. I'm going to give you some hot takes. And that is my hot take that he's going to be the, biggest flop of the season oh all right. i need a need a cool shower after that one um <laughs> mate this will this will rev some people up 75.3 average last year for this man i've got him pegged at 58 points this year and that's luke Kiry. now i'm not gonna call luke Kiry a trap i'm not gonna call luke Kiry a 17.3 point trap because he's not priced at 75 average but if we're looking at pure Statistical averages, Luke Keery averaged 75.3 last year. I have him dropping down to 17.3 points a game lower, which is, yeah, 58, which is historically kind of where Luke Keery's always been at. Yeah, that I, that was literally what I was just about to say. If you look at history, take out last season, obviously they started like a house on fire. It's a very small game. It's a very small game sample. I think it was four games. If you look at his numbers next to Kronk, for example. I said it to you a couple of weeks ago in the Roosters preview. I think in the first two rounds, you guys put up 90 points or something in two rounds. Yeah, exactly right. And if you look at when he had Kronk, and Kronk was never a super coach scorer. He was more of a, I will put you guys in the exact position that you need to be so that you do the work. He's going to have Walker, who's a very talented player, and he's only going to get better as he gets more experience in the NRL. He's also got two very explosive edge back rowers. He's got an extremely talented center who also can play a 5'8 throw in Joey Manu. And then he's got one of the world's best fullbacks at the back. I just don't think Kiri's going to have to be the everything man. And therefore, the points are going to share out a little bit. And if you look at Kiri's historical average, he has some real downer games where he scores only 30 to 40 points. And he has some other games where he's on the back of a few tries or sets up a few more and he scores 130 points. I think it's going to be more of the same, which means I think it's just he's going to go back to what he was, which was always that kind of 58 to 60 type player. And at some point, he's going to go on a mad run where he gets you, you know, three tons in four weeks. But against the harder teams, he might only score 20 points in, you know, raw base that's what i expect from luke Keery. so i personally agree with you but i do agree that there will be people out there that go you guys are off your head he's going to be a star this year he's going to take control of that team he's going i to thought this 70. i thought this you know in what? november so i can't blame you for thinking that because i had the exact same thoughts when the team came out i think you and i sat here did our team reveal podcast luke Keery was in my side and i said luke Keery is going to win the daily m We've changed our opinion, but I can't knock you for having Kiri because, yeah, I had the exact same opinion. Yeah, and we'll we'll see. We'll, you know, you and I will either be right or the masses will be right, and someone's going to be the winner. But either way, I think the Roosters are the winner because they're going to kick us this year. Mate, so Kiri I had dropping 17.3 points a game. I've got the next man dropping 20.1 points a game. It's Josh Mansour. Josh Mansour averaged 65.1 points a game last year. Jesus How Christ. much of that was on the left wing oh, yeah. in the last month? I um I picked him up on the waiver. When AJ went down, I picked uh, Mansour up on the waiver wire. And I think he just went like 80, 85, 90, 100 in like a month. So that was Didn't handy. Didn't he score like 160 points or like something half-time. in the last round? Or am I... I, think I can't he, remember. Yeah. I'd have to look that up. Anyway, I've got, sure I've got him dropping back down to 45 points a game. And I think 45 is generous on that right edge. Uh, look, that's a 20.1 drop off. Yeah, going to play on the, on the right edge with, yeah, just south that with Lachlan Ilias on that side. Who knows? But 45 points, I feel, is probably a little bit generous as well. I can't disagree with you. I just I don't see the same amount of points, you know, being available. So, yeah, we're on the same page with that one, mate. The next man I have dropping from 77 points a game last year down to 55, that is a 22-point decrease, is one Adam Dewey coming back from an ACL. 
might even get stuck in the centres in a really bad Tiger side. 55 points a game for Adam Dewey. Is that hot? What do you have him averaging next season? 55, yeah. So I've got him averaging 55. I think he'll average a bit more than that. I think he'll average 60, 62 in the centres. Interesting. We'll have to monitor that one. But yeah, that's a 22-point drop-off on my books. Uh, the next man, 22.3 drop-off. Averaged 108.3 points a game last year. I've got him pegged at 86, as I said to Brew before. That is one Nathan Cleary. Still be the best halfback, but 108 points, unsustainable. Mate, if you average 85, that's still a phenomenal season. I'd be bloody happy with that, especially after I pick him up for 800k. Yeah. 700k, 600k, hopefully. <laughs> the second ranked on this list... Man, I've got man, I've got Manly Galore in here. Ruben Garrick, I've got him going from eighty-seven point five points a game, dropping off the face of the earth, averaging sixty-three points a game. That is a twenty-four point five point drop off for Ruben Garrick. Can I ask you a question? This is actually isn't on our list. Who's your top try scorer for next season? My this top season, try, like if if obviously not talking like betting or anything. Like if I'm not looking at odds. No, my top who do you think will have the most tries? Yeah. My top try scorer, I still have Alex Johnston. His job okay. is to fall over. I know that you have Ruben Garrick, um, which you're, I do, you're yeah. about to say. Hey, I know that you don't bet, but Kevin Naguama is paying $61 for top try scorer. <laughs> if he can like score four in the first month and then hold out Suwali, we could, could be on. How much is Suwali paying? I haven't looked. Probably a fortune. <laughs> Because if he's there in round two or three, he's still a chance. No, I do think Garrick will be the top try scorer. I think he'll probably score 24 tries over the course of the season. That's one a game. And that's why I I don't I don't know if he'll drop off that much purely because there will be tries there. There'll still be conversions, but I certainly don't have him averaging what he did last season. I think you can probably take about 10 points a game off. Well, I'm going, not 12. going way more than that. So I've got him dropping 24.5. And hey, mate, no guesses for who I've got number one. He will be he will be the highest averaging player this season, but 143 points is just so hard to replicate. I've got Turbo dropping down to 113, which is a 30.3 point drop off. 30 points a game. That's 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 a try. That, that's a try basically. A try with a line break and a tackle bust to 21 points. That that's huge. But he'll. This is the weird thing. He will still be the best Supercoach player, dropping 30 points a game. That's ridiculous. Prior to last season, no man in the history of Supercoach had ever averaged over 100. He went out and averaged 143 or whatever it was for the season. People so aren't... Saying that he'll average 113 for the season. And that's bad. Sounds like a hot take, but we are saying that this man will drop 30 points off his average. What, what world are we living in? What year is it? Clearly averaged 108, and no one's talking about that. Because it just shows you how much phenomenal Turbo Blue... I think Teddy had the next best with like 93 or 94. And that was like a couple Which of seasons ago. <laughs> and Cleary averaged 100, nearly 110. And no one's talking about it because Turbo averaged 143. Mate, it's just ridiculous what he did last year. It's just it's just not sustainable. And even at 113, like that is still freakish. I agree. All right. Who is your biggest cash cow? Who is going to make us the most money at their peak? Joseph Suwali. What are you expecting him to get to? About 600. No, <laughs> that is hot. Then again, Brett Morris went on that freak run, was it two years ago to start the season? Well, that's what I'm thinking. And I know it sounds like I am absolutely, you know, on the pipe or something. If you guys can't tell, Brew goes for the Roosters. If he hasn't made that clear I do. enough. But Ikevalu, Brett Morris, these guys all went on that wing and their, their averages went through, like absolutely through the roof. Brett Morris was like 800K. And this is a guy that you could have picked up for peanuts when he first moved to the club. And then you thought after that first season, oh, he can't do that again. He was going even better the next season. And then Ikevalu, who can't even make the Sharks top side, go, goes on that wing and, and he averages something phenomenal. He gets like four tries in a game. And I just think he's, so while he's had a little bit of time now, he's had a full preseason training on this wing. Surely a kid with so much wraps on him. Every Everyone was chasing this guy. Rugby wants him. Surely he can work his game to a position where he can get higher base points. He can get more creative stats. And then on the back of that, he can make line breaks and score a hell of a lot of tries in the corner. That's why when we talked about top try score, I said, how much is Suwali paying? Because 
if he owns that wing, let's say, how many rounds are there this season? 25, 26 or whatever it 25 is? 25 and you play 24. If he, if he plays, say, 20 games, for example, he might get rested. You know, Robbo likes to protect his players. Maybe he misses a few to start the season. If he, he's going to have days where he probably scores hat-tricks. If he scores 22 tries on the season, who's to say he doesn't at some point go up and, and be a 600K player, meaning that he's made nearly $400,000. It's a massive number. And even all these bottom dollar guys, like your Elias's and Schneidercart and all these blokes, I don't see any of them making any type of substantial money. Elias will probably top out at about 420, I reckon. So I just don't know who else is going to make the money that Suwali is. Hey, I don't want to, I don't want to make your day worse today. But Joseph Suwali is paying the exact same as Brandon Smith for, for leading try scorer. So, te- so, te- Smith paying. so, te- so if you put ten bucks on that, I win you five hundred and ten dollars back, and they're paying the same. So Brandon Smith, according to bookmakers, has the exact same chance to score the most tries in the comp for Suwali. Smith is paying more I than the Guamra. Dollar on it for me. Smith and the Guamra. Smith is paying more than the Guamra as well. Um, mate, my biggest cash cow is Brad Schneider. Um, at at one hundred and eighty k or whatever he is. I could see him getting up to yeah, 450, 500 before, before sort of bottoming out. And that's a 320K price rise, which is huge. So doing, yeah. the, doing the math. Yeah. Okay. At, at 500, at 500K, that's, that's a 320K price rise, um, which is now the question, especially if he's goal kicking, which is, uh, there is some talk around that. Um, there was a, a stat going around on Twitter that in the New South Wales cup, he averaged six, uh, 75 points a game. If like, when, if you're looking at super coach scoring, I like to knock about 10, 15 points off in Reggie's. Even that is like 60 points a game with goal kicking. So that could be, we could be on there. And especially if the Raiders have some kind of bounce back year after a, a poor year last year, then yeah, Schneider could be, could be the guy. Um, his emergence has so, thrown everything out. So interesting. What happens if this kid comes in and absolutely kills it for the Raiders? Where um, does Jamal what he said? Oh God, that's rough. Um, so I don't know if he... Timmy, if you're listening to this and you do want me to say this, I appreciate it. I, I apologize. Um, I messaged Tim Williams, who's obviously Sam's brother, and I said, hey, is, is Semi injured or whatever? Is he just down to the depth charts? And yeah, Timmy said that uh, Ricky just wants to go with youth, but if it doesn't work out, don't expect him to hang around long. So he's playing with a chip on his shoulder, this uh, Brad Schneider, and he looked good in the trials. And if he comes out and kills it, it's 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 tough on, on the kid, unfortunately, because you're not going to drop Fogarty. But it's a pretty good headache to have if you're Ricky, isn't it? It is, but it'll also put Schneider on the map for other teams if he kills it. So then you're in a position where you've paid Fogarty we, for a couple of years, yeah. Do we, or do, yeah, do do we pay some of Fogarty's contract and, and let him go? It's it's if I was Fogarty and and this kid starts performing, I'd be a little bit worried to be honest with you. Fogarty, yeah, just, it's it sucks for him because obviously new club. He looked really good with Jack White and too. We were talking about the Raiders and, and how much we like that combination and how they gel. And then yeah, a day later he got injured. Well, the report was he was injured, so. I mean, yeah, Schneider, if he, if he hits the ground running, fantastic, 180k, awesome. The only issue is he's, he's halfback only, which has forced me to shift my side around a little bit, but yeah. Mate, 57 minutes of absolute heat. Some pretty rubbish takes from both of us that'll age like fine wine that we'll come back and look at at the end of September. I've, I've enjoyed it. Who's your trap of the season? I didn't want to look at... So how do you want to, how do you want to clarify trap? Like, you give me, you give me a... Um, a circumstance not are we talking about biggest biggest money loser let's go this. because biggest money let's loser let's take all of that out of it let's just go this who's the guy that you think everyone's gonna be really high on and everyone wants to buy him but just isn't gonna be what they think for the season or for a time period for the season for a time period I would have said Cam McInnes um, for the first 10 weeks but for the season uh, God oh, I'd love to say Josh Curran but he'll shift back to the edge where his stocks will rise Everyone, everyone, you give me yours. It's quite difficult, isn't it? You, you, give, right, me, you give me yours and I'll sort through ownership and see who's highly owned that I'm not rating. I'm going to get really probably roasted for this. I think it's going to be Matt Burton. I think people are too high on Matt Burton because we have a virtually no sample size as him as a half. And the dogs haven't shown anything to, to go... Like, I know they've signed well and I even myself, like, I had them coming near the eighth. I've now got them probably finishing in the bottom four or, you know, finishing 
13th to 11th. I've got them down a little bit now based on what I've seen. And I just, I don't know if a side that's going to be in, say, the bottom four clubs of the competition come season end, I don't see how good of a season their halfback could have had if that's the case. And that makes me think that he's going to be a little bit of a trap this season. The draw over the first 10 weeks, obviously, is horrendous. Now, we said rounds one and two, oh, look, it's not too bad. But given their trial form, they could lose those both of those games. I know one of them's the Cowboys, and the Cowboys looked quite good. I can't remember who the other game is against. Hey, mate, do you know Owen? Like, there could be Norton 10. Do you, do you know Owen? Owen who? Owen 10. The Dogs. They could be. Yeah, got like, it. Honestly. I was, I was preparing so, for that one. Hey. Maybe it's, maybe it's a really SHIT take by me, but I think it's going to be Matt Burton. I think people are too high on him. I've seen him in a lot of starting sides. People show me their sides. They've got Burton in there. It's, it's a no-go zone for me. Not until we see something. And I don't think we're going to see anything that is the levels of demanding to be in somebody's super coach side. Currently owned by 11% of teams. I feel like it's 11% too high. I will own Matt Burton. I won't own Matt Burton for the next two and a half months. Pick him up over Origin. He'll be all right. Hey, I don't really have a trap, so I'm probably sitting on the fence a little bit here. But I'll tell you someone that I think is going to disappoint. He's currently owned by 15% of people, which is the third highest hooker. That's Damien Cook. Now... Am I saying Cookie's going to be a trap? No, because Cookie just does what Cookie does. But do I think he's going to disappoint people? Because everyone's thinking he's going to come out and be like, you know, this new revolutionizer running nine. But he's getting older. And the trials didn't give me a whole lot to be impressed by. So I don't really have a trap for you. Probably a bit of a cop-out answer. But yeah, I feel like Cookie could, could yes. I feel like Cookie could, could disappoint uh, 15% of teams. I think he'll come good eventually. I was just, I don't know if they're, he doesn't look good at the moment, but I think he'll he'll find his groove. And when the going gets tough and Souser losing some games, I think he'll come out of his shell and and try and play like a senior player. And they're going to need that. So what do we do? I think he'll be all right eventually. What do we do if Cookie has another decline this year? Let's say Cookie goes down to he averaged sixty five point seven last year, which was down the year before, which was down the year before. Let's say he goes down to sixty one and a half, sixty two. What are we doing next year? He's another year older. Do we like, oh, no, he'll come good? Like, are we just going to continually be saying this? Or is this sort of do or die for Cookie when it comes to getting his Supercoach stocks back up? Oh, yeah, this will be a defining season when it comes to Supercoach. If he, if he doesn't perform and, and really come close to the options that we do have, obviously, at hooker, you'd think Brandon Smith will be an option again next year in the hooker position. The Roosters seemingly, having already got Radley, are going to have this guy as their hooker. So he will come back into the conversation. Harry Grant's going to be in the conversation for the next 10 years. Reed Marnie's probably going to be in the conversation for the next five to seven years. I think Cook's just naturally, you know, a progression of a progression of age is starting to fall down the depth charts. And if he doesn't nail it this season, then I don't think he'll be in the conversation too much at all come next season. Yeah, Cam Smith managed to keep his average up quite high thanks to general field kicking, uh, getting the ball in for dropouts and obviously goal kicking. So that kept, that, kept, that kept him going for well into his 30s. Uh, one more man I wanted to run past you as a Roosters fan before we finished up today. Owned by 7% of teams and 515k. What, what are we sitting on Connor Watson? Because I don't feel there's any value there. I feel like we saw his best super coach output at, at Newcastle. Um, and I just don't see him having any kind of uptick and, and it could, could have easily lose 100k. Look, someone actually asked me this question on Twitter two hours ago. And, and my response was simple. He's a wait and see for me. We don't know how he is going to be played by the Roosters and in what capacity and for what minutes. Look, if if Robbo finds a way where we can get 55 minutes of Connor Watson, then there is a chance that he goes better at the Roosters than what he did at Newcastle, purely by the reasoning that the Roosters have a lot of points in them and he's going to follow the ball. And if he follows the ball, he might be on the back of Kiri making a break or Teddy making a break. He might get an, an uptick in tries. He might, you know, follow the ruck, make the line break himself. So... There is a chance that he could average 60 plus on a season, but there's too many variables there at this point in time. We simply do not know what his role is. We don't know what kind of rotation him and Radley are going to have. We don't know if the plan is for him to spell in in dummy half, spell verils. There's just too much doubt there. I really hope they find a good way to use him because they're going to need to. Now that they've got Smith coming next year, they're going to have to work out how this works. So I would say, I don't think he's a trap. I don't think he, he could be an X factor maybe, and maybe he's worth the risk, but if you're going to go a risk, it's a massive one. And I'd certainly have an exit strategy. 
Yep. We'll leave it. We'll leave it on Connor Watson, mate. Uh, I very much appreciate your time. I very much appreciate everyone's time for listening today. We have one more podcast coming before our official launch on Tuesday. We'll be doing our Cash Cows podcast. That will be out Sunday night if uh, I can get Brew away from the wife and kids for an hour on Sunday, and uh, we'll get that one out. And then we're yeah, smack bang into it. Seven o'clock Tuesday night. Be there on the YouTube, mate. I'm very, very excited for that. There'll be a new layout. We'll have some graphics. We'll have some sound bites. Uh, I'm very, very excited to see what we can do, and I'm very, very excited. Supercoach is back, mate. Less than a week away. Six days. Also, thank you very much for a thousand followers. That really upticked over the last on couple of days. Twitter. It went from the mid eights to over a thousand on YouTube. Uh, that is wonderful. We appreciate that. That puts a smile on our face. Thank you for everyone supporting my segment idea on the last uh, YouTube video. I am in negotiations with Josh over a PG friendly name for that segment, but we are looking to take something like that on. Yeah. All right. Guys, I uh, I say it every every week, but I very much appreciate you putting up with me, putting up with uh, my bald friend over here. We, we ramble a lot. We talk a lot of crap. We change our minds way too much, but I've enjoyed it, mate. We'll see you back here same same time Sunday. See you all. Where, Thanks for listening. Where I'm assuming you're going to vouch for Cody Ramsey being the greatest prospect of all time. Maybe. All right. Take it easy, guys. Have a good one. Ciao for now. Bye. Ciao. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.